the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Very interesting week. Actually, the days just kind of keep getting more interesting. <laughs> a little little cooler. Uh, actually, um, I think the temperament of markets, looking at people who are participating in the markets, the S&P 500 all the way back at an all-time new high. And I have a lot of people asking, why is it doing that? Well, stocks actually have a tendency to try to anticipate or they do anticipate the future. And I'd say from the action of the stock market investors, they're anticipating that this recovery is going to happen relatively quickly. And uh, otherwise stocks wouldn't be at, you know, all time new highs, or at least the S and P 500 wouldn't be. And not all indexes incidentally are at all time new highs. The, uh, a lot of them are, and that's a good thing because you don't like to, uh, well, it's, it, it doesn't really matter. You can see some growing faster than others. That's fine. But a lot of them have caught up over the past couple months. That, that's that been very positive. A lot of other sectors, we've got a uh, uh, small cap, large cap, mid cap. Well, the mid cap and, and small cap have actually been lagging large cap for a very long time period. And they've really done a good job of catching up. That's typically what you'd like to see happening. So that. Looks really good. Um, looking at what is driving, you know, what kinds of things are driving this. And this is pretty interesting. I was uh, just looking through. There's a an online publication. It's actually, it's called Science Focus. And this is a product of the BBC, British Broadcasting, whatever that is. <laughs> and the, the article are 22 ideas. The article is titled 22 Ideas About to Change Our World. Uh, incidentally, I read MIT Technology Review, Scientific American, I'll read Popular Science, a lot of trade magazines, just to kind of keep up with what new things are, are out there, what are, you know, what kind of things are working on. It can be very frustrating because you see things and you think, wow, that would be a great idea. And then it doesn't happen for another 10 or 20 years. And not exactly sure why, but the uh, oftentimes uh, it just takes a long time for a lot of this stuff to come to fruition. But at least it's being talked about. And when they're talking about it, you can bet somebody's working on it. So I thought this was a really interesting article because stock markets and companies in general, 
they they actually prosper. Uh, they they thrive on change. Now, some companies go away. The companies that aren't flexible, uh, or the companies that you know the, the management just doesn't feel like they can keep up anymore, uh, they'll actually stop innovating, and eventually either get bought out or they'll just shut the business down. Uh, that doesn't happen a lot with companies that are publicly traded in the United States, but occasionally it does happen. You just need to make sure that you are uh, keeping up with your companies if you're going to invest in individual stocks. If you're just looking at the uh, a fund, and that's what is so beautiful about a fund. A fund today, you can read a description of how they're going to select the stocks. It's right in the prospectus. And you can uh, kind of pick the ones you like, the strategies that you like. There's a really popular one out there. Looks at the largest companies, the largest 200 stocks on the stock exchange. And it holds the 50 stocks that currently have the best price momentum. So a lot of there's a lot of detail behind this. It's not completely obvious to somebody who's new. When somebody new to investing goes, well, what does that mean? Why is the top? Why are the top two hundred stocks all that important? Well, because it it takes an awful lot of, of guts and effort and skill to get into that group to begin with. And then when you focus on the top fifty stocks out of those top two hundred stocks who are currently going up the fastest, yeah, they they call that momentum or relative strength. Uh, that means from those companies who have managed to make it into that group, which is not an easy task, we're actually going to narrow the list down to those that are are currently appreciating the fastest. In the case of a declining market, we're going to hold those that are going down slower than the others. <laughs> so that's how speed works. When you put add speed to the mix, and there are a lot of funds out there like that, and I like that one. I, uh, I like that one a lot. I use a couple that are very, very similar to that. And now, why? Well, because it's a uh, it's clearly defined. It's diversified. It's got a good long term track record. Yeah, just kind of stick at, stick with that as part of your overall mix. I think you'd you'd be doing pretty good. Now, how does that tie into these companies that are changing or technology that's changing? Well, a lot of the the changes are they're always technology. I mean, think about it. We're the big companies today. Google. Do you know where Google was thirty years ago? They didn't exist. <laughs> they weren't. They were not there. In fact, I think the, uh, the Google boys were probably you know in preschool or, or elementary school thirty years ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know they weren't out of high school. <laughs> so look at uh, all the other the Netflixes of the world. Netflix is actually getting kind of old in the tooth now compared to some of the other companies. Amazon just keeps reinventing itself. And adding more stuff. So all those, by the way, all those companies, they're in that one fund that I was talking about. So when somebody asks, hey, do we have Amazon? Yes, we do. And it's in that fund. It's actually in more than one of the funds that we have. So I don't really need to know a whole lot about Amazon because the fund's going to manage that position for me, which I think is kind of cool. So, and Amazon's one of the big benefactors of increases in technology. It's always technology that drives economies and uh, drives the job market. It drives the stock market. New technologies come out, they get adopted, companies succeed, share prices go up. Then another new company uh, technology comes out, displaces a lot of those older companies that couldn't 
keep up or didn't want to keep up for whatever reason. Sometimes it's just, you know, management's so rich and old, they just decide, yeah, I've got, you know, it's okay. <laughs> We're not going to try to compete anymore. We've, we've made our money. Um, don't like to see that happen. But others like to change. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, GM, they're trying to change. GM's got some long-term plans. Look pretty good. I really like it. If you want to see some interesting stuff, go to GM's uh, website. It's fascinating. If you look at GM's uh, long-term share price appreciation, not too much. 2011, it was 37. Actually, you know, they did file for bankruptcy too. That's another thing you have to watch out for. That's one of the reasons that the funds are so important. A fund, like the one I just talked about, if it if the price performance isn't in the top 50, it gets eliminated. So when a stock like GM gets into that list, it's because the price, the share price is appreciating very quickly. When it gets kicked out of the list, it's because it's not appreciating very quickly or others are appreciating faster than that. So there's a discipline and I think it's, that, that's a great idea. Let's have a, a discipline, a clear definition of when we're going to buy, when we're going to sell. You don't have to know anything about it. Your advisor should. Yeah, you should probably discuss that with your advisor and they can point out to you which of those funds use something similar to that. But uh, I'm getting kind of off topic here. I was talking about GM and you want to talk about a, a company who's really moving and shaking an industry. And I really hope it starts to show up in the share price appreciation. GM had $115 billion in revenue over the past 12 months. And the market value of the business is $76 billion. So you've got $115 billion in revenues. They were up slightly. And the market cap is $76 billion. So it's, uh, the ratio there is about two-thirds, about 0.66. The longer-term average of the S&P 500 is two. Okay, the longer-term average of a price-to-sales ratio is two. If you're at 0.66... Long-term average is two. Well, you might you might be onto something there. Now, I will say that the the correct price to sales ratio depends on the profitability, and the profitability of auto manufacturers over time uh, isn't really that great. I mean, they, they they don't have huge profit margins. If they're able to make it have a ten percent year, that's a great year. That's a great year. If uh, Clorox only makes ten percent profit margins, um, not so much. You know, Clorox profit margins are typically a lot higher than that. Although they haven't been all that much higher <laughs> too much lately. But uh, in the long run, they've been a lot higher than that. So anyway, I think uh, GM's probably something that, uh, you know, may do very well. It's in a lot of the funds that we own. Why? Because of all the things I talked about. They're actually pursuing a lot of technologies. I, I think they want to be completely electric um, sometime over the next 15 to 20 years. Think about that for a second. GM comes out and says, we're going all electric. And I know a lot of people go, oh, yeah, right. Now, let me tell you something. It's happening. Like it or not, it's happening. And uh, they've already made a battery pack with Honda that's supposed to be better than the Tesla battery pack, who's the largest manufacturer right now of those of battery packs. The uh, So they're coming at them with, they're throwing everything they got in this. They believe in it. I believe it. I, it's going to happen. People that don't think that's going to happen just don't read much. <laughs> that that's the 
that's the issue. If you don't think that we're all we're going uh, all electric in automobiles, most I, I don't know about jets, but uh, they do have jets that are electric and uh, don't use fuel or the traditional fuel. They're not very big, and uh, I'm not sure if it'll they'll ever get to that point. But the uh, you can run a jet on natural gas, by the way, and it burns really clean when you do that. So another uh, technological miracle that's come out over the past you know couple decades. Anyway, so I found this article through Science Focus and twenty two ideas about to change our world is the name of it. And uh, you know, feel free to it to email me and I'll just email you the link if you want to read it. But I, I really like this kind of stuff. The first thing that came up with were energy storing bricks. They're talking about bricks that can store energy and then it'll uh, uh you know do a lot of your heating, cooling, everything you need to run your house. You're actually getting the energy in it and it's being stored through the bricks. This one does say the research is still in the proof of concept stage. That means it's it's fairly new. They think they could store a substantial amount of energy, can be recharged hundreds of thousands of times within an hour. That's interesting. So keep your eye out on the uh, electric bricks. <laughs> can you imagine that? You're walking past the, the house and it's going, bzz, 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 and those are the bricks. That's pretty funny. Robotic guide dogs. Now this is this is really pretty wild. This robotic guide dog. It's not a. It must, it must be a, a chihuahua because you can hold it in your hand. <laughs> so you you hold this thing, and for people who have uh, uh, it can't see that well, they're having a guide dog. They hold this thing and it literally steers them in the direction they should be walking. It's got sensors that will detect people, cars, animals, whatever. I wonder how well it does with potholes. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Robotic guide dogs. It Actually, it kind of looks like a, a giant massager. And uh, you're holding this thing and as you're walking, and it literally it starts to turn to lead you in the direction that you should be walking in. And I thought that was pretty hilarious. Right, right by that, by the way, Right, and in the story, is an ad for autonomous vehicles. Those are the vehicles that that drive themselves. Those are not way off into the future. They're here now. They're going to get a lot better than they are today. But this was an interesting one: sweat-powered smartwatches. So they're literally able to take energy out of the sweat from somebody that's wearing it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't been sweating lately. <laughs> so that one may need some work, especially if you come to Ohio in the wintertime. Not, not a whole lot of people are going to be getting a lot of power through the sweat in their skin on a sweat watch. But it is really fascinating that what they're doing with that, that they can actually, you can actually power your you know, your Apple watch with, with sweat. So I guess maybe, uh, I don't know, where the, you'll have that one just for the summertime. <laughs> Uh, I thought this was a uh, an also a very interesting one. A self-healing living concrete. The concrete gets a crack and it fills itself in and and re- redisperses concrete. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Living robots. 
number five. Living robots, they're made from stem cells from embryos, and um, they can swim around your body, uh, delivering medicine to parts that you can't get to with uh, without opening somebody up, or you know. So I think that that's kind of inter- interesting. These little things, I hope, hope they never lose control of them. <laughs> that would be a little a little tough. Uh, tactile, you know what? I just got the sign that uh, I've only got about a minute left, so I'm going to start to save some of these for right after the commercial break. And uh, by the way, these things, you know, it, it, I know it always sounds like uh, Star Trek, but the reality is that a lot of these things will come to the market. A lot, of, a lot of things have been pushed to the market a lot faster than they have been, than they would have planned on setting uh, them to marketplace. But this pandemic has caused an awful lot of things to come along a lot quicker than it otherwise would have. So there's a silver lining there. And uh, it's a good thing because you know, interest rates are so low. Trying to find investments that are going to give you a return is not that easy to do, but we'll look into that as soon as we come back from these commercial messages. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Actually, I'm just going to skip down to uh, Internet for Everyone. This is something that uh, they've been working on. And there are a lot of places in the world that that aren't close to an Internet uh, connection that's reliable. So they've got these little tiny uh, satellites that they're going to put up around 60,000 feet, which is just about 20,000 feet higher than most airlines fly. And that should bring Internet to places in very rural areas. They're also... Uh, using helium balloons, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> the uh, Facebook has abandoned plans to do the same thing using drones, but Google is the one with the helium balloons. You can put helium balloons up there with internet <laughs> equipment, for lack of a better word, so that you can actually get this out and uh, they can get internet to more people in more places so they can sell more ads faster. <laughs> Anyway, heart monitoring T-shirt. That's interesting. You've got a bad heart, put this T-shirt on. I wonder what it does, though, if it detects that you're having a heart attack. Does it call somebody? Do you, uh, you talk to your watch, your, your, your phone? doesn't really say much about that. Uh, coffee power. This is, this is pretty fascinating. London's coffee industry creates over two th- 200,000 tons of waste every year, so what to do with it? This guy came up with an idea called BioBean, 
It's going to turn 85% of that coffee waste into biofuels for heating buildings and powering transport. Wow, that sounds pretty good. The next one is droning forest fires in sound. They've got a machine that emits a sound that causes fires to to start to go out, or at least assists it in that. that. That's really interesting. I'd like to see the demonstration on that one. This one's a little spooky. The AI scientist, you cut off a flatworm's head and it'll grow a new one. Cut it in half and you'll have two new worms. Uh, fire some radiation at it and it'll repair itself. Scientists have wanted to work out the mecha- mechanisms involved for some time, but the secret has eluded them. Enter an, I, uh, an AI, that's artificial intelligence, coded at Tufts University, Massachusetts. By analyzing and simulating countless scenarios, the computer was able to solve the mystery of the flatworm's regeneration in just 42 hours. In the end, it produced a comprehensive model of how the flatworm's genes allow it to regenerate. Although humans still need to feed the AI with information, the machine in this experiment was able to create a new abstract theory independently, a huge step towards the development of a conscious computer and potentially a landmark step in the way we carry out research. That's a little spooky. (laughs) You're going to teach the computer to think? I want to know who's going to teach the computer to think because it's going to take all their thought processes, put it in code, and, you know, we're going to, it's going to think like that person more than likely, but uh, at least uh, that could that could be a little dangerous. <laughs> anyway, the next one's a space balloon. These, remember, these are all things that are going to shape the future. It's uh, pretty funny. There are a lot of areas in the world that don't have internet access, so if you, the balloon thing is actually not really that big of a joke, the, uh, because they're they're not what you not the hot air balloons you see people floating around in. But anyway, this article goes on to say if, if you want to take a trip into space, your quickest might be to take a balloon. The company Worldview Enterprises wants to send tourists into the stratosphere, uh, thirty two thousand meters above Earth, on hot air balloons. Technically, space is defined as a hundred thousand uh, meters above sea level, but thirty two thousand meters above sea level is high enough to witness the curvature of the earth. Don't take Kyrie Irving up there. (laughs) He's going to be gravely disappointed. (laughs) Anyway, uh, some guy named Felix Baumgartner did this on a space jump. He went all the way up there and jumped out and parachuted down. uh, It's got a lot of guts. (laughs) They've had their first successful flight, by the way, in June. They're going to start selling tickets in 2016 at a bargain price of just 75,000 um, these are, I guess, British pound per person. I'm not sure what that actually translates into into dollars. I probably should have looked that up. There's a, this sounds pretty interesting. Cancer detecting smart needles. It's a smart needle that has been developed by scientists in the UK, which could speed up cancer detection and diagnosis times. Anybody can see how that would be extremely helpful. Crowdsourced antibiotics. That's interesting. Swallowing seawater is part of surfing. But now the scientists behind a new initiative called Beach Bums want to swab the rectums of surfers to see if this water contains the key to developing new antibiotics. I don't think I would be volunteering for that. (laughs) They're searching for antibiotic-resistant bacteria known as superbugs. And that's where they hang out. Hmm. By studying the samples from surfers... (laughs) They hope to learn more about these potentially dangerous organisms in the hope of producing new drugs to combat them. Wow. Gives new meaning to an awful lot of phrases out there. I won't bother going through any of them. (laughs) 
uh, car batteries that charge in 10 minutes. Yeah. Now that, and by the way, some of those already exist and uh, they're trying to, they're working on the technology so that you can get your supercars charged in 10 minutes or less. Boy, is that going to make a big difference? You know, the electric cars, electric cars. We started talking about this. I don't know. I, I can't remember how long ago it was. It was at the seminars and it was a, uh, right after Tesla had got that very first little car that looked like a toy car. It was a two seater. And uh, had 1,500 uh, laptop batteries in it. <laughs> that, that was the first model Tesla, by the way. The, uh, and uh, we've been talking about it ever since then. But I think this is interesting. Uh, they've been having some technical difficulties getting a, a battery to charge quickly that wouldn't die relatively soon. It would wear out almost as fast as they charged it. <laughs> but the, uh, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so they think they've come up with some technology that's changed that. Now think about that for a second. If you're going to be able to get a 10-minute charge and it's going to go 300 miles and it's not going to be dangerous, that changes an awful lot of stuff. So anyway, this is a, this is a good one. Smart food labels. The label actually has a bump mark and originally it was developed for blind people. It starts out smooth to the touch but gets bumpier as the food decays. So you have to uh, learn how to put your hand on the label and see if the the bump is there or how big it is. <laughs> it Since it decays at the same rate as any protein-based food within, it's far more accurate than printed dates. So I guess that that's pretty interesting. So, but you still got to learn. Well, let me see. Is it is a quarter-inch bad or is it when it gets to half an inch? Is that the worst part? Yeah, so we're going to have to learn that. Self-driving trucks. You know, actually, I'm almost artificial neurons on silicon chips. N- neurons are... Uh, connections in your brain, by the way. That's how your brain works. They used to think that as you got older that you would lose them or you couldn't uh, regenerate them. Now they know differently. You can actually learn and improve your brain even in older age. So That's pretty cool. Now they've learned how to kind of duplicate that on a silicon chip. This is going to be a big part of artificial intelligence. And uh, that part's a little spooky, actually. <laughs> The last one they talked about was floating farms. The UN predicts there will be 2 billion more people in the world by 2050, creating a demand for 70% more food. Let's see, 2 billion people. Oh, 2 billion more people. I wonder why it goes up 70% because 2 billion is not 70% of 7. I guess we're all going to eat more. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. We've all got to eat more. If the population doesn't grow by more than 70%, how's the demand for food grow by 70% unless we all start eating more? So, I don't know. Probably something I'm missing there. (laughs) Near-perfect insulation. Oh, that'll be bad for those guys that do that injection insulation today because they won't have... Well, I guess not. Everybody will need it. So, once it's in there, I guess it, it lasts for an incredibly long time. In uh, is highly effective. So all this stuff, you know, <laughs> it's kind of fun to look at this. I look at a lot of things. I see a lot of inventions that are coming out there. And oftentimes you wonder, like, which one's going to make it, how long it's going to be in development. And in the meantime, that all this stuff drives economies forward. It's, you know, when you take a look at how we live today versus how we lived 20 years ago, how we lived 40 years ago. Everything's been driven by technology, and that's not going to slow down anytime soon. 
In fact, the more people you have, the more people you have working on it just by a percentage of the population, it's going to increase just because the population increases. So you, you have more people working on this stuff all the time. It's happening. And I'm just telling you that it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for investors because stocks are not so far ahead of where they should be that you shouldn't be able to be very profitable going forward. Now, bonds, on the other hand, that's another story. That's another story completely. Interest rates are so low, they almost invent it. Unless they go negative, they can't go a whole lot lower than they are today. I got a uh, solicitation. I couldn't believe it. These people were they're trying to get me to invest or deposit money for one half of 1%. One half of 1%. Like that was a really good thing. <laughs> Okay, so you realize one half of one percent is on a million dollars, it would only be five thousand bucks a year. On a million dollars. Now, if you take five percent on a million dollars, five percent is fifty thousand. So I don't know, five thousand or fifty thousand. Yeah, but so that's kind of where we are today. And when you raise interest rates, all those bonds out there that are paying one percent, their prices are gonna drop because nobody's gonna want them. Why would you want an interest rate on a bond that's paying less than you could get if you bought a brand new one? So what happens is you have to drop your price, sell your old bond, and buy a new one if you want to get the higher interest rate. Or just hang on to it until it matures one day, which could be 20 or 30 years. Lovely. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a problem. There are solutions, and I think it's it's really fascinating how creative humans are people are incredibly creative so there are a lot of options for fixed income we've been talking about them for a while i want to talk about two today that i've i've mentioned if you've been listening to the show um both the products that i'm going to talk about are, are from nationwide and they are different uh, they've got they're for different uh, categories um, one of them is actually for younger people who like the idea of having a lot more growth potential, but would like to have a minimum guarantee. That That's a great product, I think, for the right person. If you're older, you're nearer to retirement, and you've got some fixed income in your portfolio, there's another type of product there. It's called a fixed index annuity. It pays. It has a guaranteed income stream. That's why I, I use that one. Most of my clients are older. The vast majority of my clients are older than I am, and many of them are already retired. Some of them are approaching retirement, and with bond yields right around 1%, and these uh, the yields on these being much higher than that, I think it's a really good thing to look at. Uh, but it depends on where you are in your life, what your goals are, what you'd like to do. You know, If you are uh, wealthy, if you have a lot of money, but you don't like to have, to have the idea of having all of your money in stocks, uh, then I would use the, the first product as an alternative for a portion of your money. By the way, I don't ever believe that anybody should put 100% of their money in anything. Uh, I mean, unless you have $100 bucks and, you know, half a percent on $100 bucks, not too bad. Be 500000 a year. That'd, that'd be, I think I could get by. I could squeak by on that. <laughs> But if you don't have a hundred million bucks, then that half a percent probably not so good. If you've got a million dollars, a half a percent's five thousand bucks. You know, it's hard to live on five thousand dollars, even with a million bucks. So these other products now that are are more popular, uh, I 
really didn't anticipate that I'd ever be talking about these. You can invest in, if you're younger, they, uh, they've got floors. They're called riders. And they, by the way, they're all different types of annuities out there. Um, the one I'm talking about right now, the one that has the rider for the younger people, I just switched from the income without giving people advance warning. Sorry about that. The, the younger crowd can invest 100% of the money in stocks. They'll guarantee a certain amount of income off of that value. Let's say you started with $100,000, okay, and you're in your 40s. So every year they'll take a look at that $100,000, and if it's higher than it was the year before, they'll take that new value, and they'll guarantee a 4% income off of that for the rest of your life. The uh, that is, It is subject to... Uh, there are certain ages you can't do it when you're in your 30s. So anyone in their mid 40s and up, you want to take a look. You might want to take a look at it. Why? Because you can buy, you can invest in companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, and it's there's no sales charge going in. There's no sales charge going out. The uh, management fees are incredibly low. Um, the lowest in the industry. If you're using someone like myself, we have pretty low rates to manage those assets for you. Uh, and as, like I said, each year as the account value, if the account value goes up, they take a look at it and they will guarantee the income on that higher value. This is where this gets really important. Let's say you started in your forties and by the time you were 60, uh, let's say, I don't know, maybe you only doubled, which wouldn't be that great of a return, but you get, you get 4% on the double of whatever you put in there. As you start taking the income out, it keeps track of how much you've taken out and the account balance. And if the account balance actually goes higher than the amount it was last year, they'll raise the income. See, this is what's important with this one. It'll raise the income. Right now, 4% doesn't sound like a lot, and it's less than the other, the fixed index nationwide product I talk a lot about. And there are some other good products out there from other companies too. But the reason it's less is because you can put 100% of your money in stock funds and the long-term potential is much higher there. I'm going to have to finish this thought when we come back from these commercial messages. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Hey, if you hear something you'd like to know more about, feel free to go to my website. It's BillingtonCapital.com. You can reach out. There's a contact us button there. Uh, is send me your question, and I'd be glad to try to get back with you and answer that as quickly as humanly possible. And, uh, yeah, so I'll uh, do what I can. Um, and, by the way, one of the different big differences between us and everybody else is I, I really try to get back to everybody as quickly as possible. If I can't, it's because I've got a list of people that I'm calling back, but I will get to you eventually. And uh, that's one of the things that we really try to do is be there, be available for our clients. 
I know you have a lot of questions. Uh, investing is hard. It's not easy. If, if you don't know a lot about it, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, that, that makes it uh, um, actually, and it's kind of cruel. Here's what it'll do. Somebody that doesn't know a lot will try something based on a hunch or a feeling or something that they heard, and then it works out well for them, and they think they're onto something. And you keep doing that long enough, eventually you find out that uh, the hard way that you really didn't know as much as you thought you did uh, because you end up losing a bunch of money. And that's not fun. By the way, investing is tough. Even when you know what you're doing, it's not easy. So I empathize completely. And uh, I guess I'm kind of glad I do this for a living. I would, uh, and, if, and if I didn't do this for a living, I would try to find the advisor who's just like me. Just tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I'm up against. Don't hide anything. I, I can't stand that. Yeah, don't hide anything. I'm going to expose it. And, and I will tell you this. More people come out of my office when I've told them, yeah, the S&P 500 was down 50% twice in one 10-year time period. Nobody predicted that. In fact, the statistics say that that is nearly impossible. But yet it happened. So uh, they'll come out in... <laughs> end up going somewhere else because somebody else is willing to tell them something that I'm not. I, I'm going to show you exactly what you, and then by the way, it's not the end of the world. And the, the true part of what most people talk about is that if you give it a long enough time period, yes, the stock market is a great place to invest. If you have enough time, if you've had enough time in the, uh, over a 10 year time period, you know, if you're within 10 years of retirement, there've been two 10 year, there was one 10 year time, uh, time period, in my lifetime was 2000 through, uh, yeah, 2000 through 2009, 2010. The, uh, uh, it was actually more than 10 years. And if you go back to the seventies, also during my lifetime, there was a 13 year period where the return was negative. 13 years, negative return. Who can take that? Who other than Warren Buffett or, you know, any other, other billionaires could actually live that way. So that, and that's a, that's a big deal. That's what you have to deal with. That's one of the reasons that I I started looking at the fixed index annuities and the other, the variable annuities with uh, no sales charges in or out because they actually, they're needed now. Um, Days gone by, older days that they were, they were very competitive. The pricing on them was good. The, uh, the management fees and expenses weren't too high. Uh, and then all of a sudden they, they just started getting really high and you could get a five or 6% CD around those times. So I stopped, uh, the five or 6% CD was probably going to beat those and the vast majority of them, it did. Well, now you're coming to a, a place in time where CDs aren't paying five and 6% and they're probably not going to pay that much in my lifetime. All right. I'm 58. The, uh, in my lifetime, which is. Hopefully I got another 30 years. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but in 30 years, I I can't imagine that interest rates are going to go up a lot. Why? Well, because we have a ton of national debt. We've got another ton of things that we want to be to, able to do, which are also going to require more debt. When you raise interest rates on 30 or $40 trillion in debt, which the debt could absolutely be at some point in time, and uh, that's a lot of dough. The number one budget item for the federal budget at that point in time will be the interest expense. And I, again, you know, I know I've, I'm probably boring everybody to death that's ever heard this 
speech here before. I give it almost every week. If you got to pick your own interest rate and you owed $30 trillion, what would you pick? What would you do? (laughs) And by the way, if the money you spent on that means that you couldn't spend the money on some other projects that you really wanted to get done that really needed to be done, what would you do? See, that's the position that every congressman, all the senators, the president, they have to deal with that. And uh, I just don't think that they're going to raise interest rates a lot, at least for not, not the foreseeable future. And under those circumstances, yeah, you need to start looking at some of these other things. And right now, that shift has been relatively new. And I think that the rates of return that they're offering are actually higher than they're going to be at some point in time. I think they're going to come down. So if you were thinking about this kind of stuff at all, this is the time to take a really good, hard look at it. Now, some of you may not need this. Now, if you've got $10 million and you're used to getting by on you know less than 200000 a year, you can buy a fund, a stock fund that has a dividend yield that will pay that. Okay, And by the way, the, the dividends on those types of funds, they, uh, they get taxed at lower rates than interest on CDs do. So there's a tax advantage as well. And, um, but if you don't have 10 million bucks, <laughs> that's pretty tough. Let's say you only had a million dollars. All right. Well, that's about 20,000 bucks, $20,000. The, uh, before taxes and they're a little bit lower taxes, but you still have to pay some tax on that. That's a million bucks to, to generate. You're probably going to end up after taxes somewhere around $16,000. That's, that's not a whole lot of dough. That's why these other things are important because the insurance companies that are offering these, they're not going to die. See, that's our problem. We're not going to die. We're we're going to die. I'm sorry. We're going to die. The insurance companies just keep going. So when you look at a stock market who has a 10 or 12-year time period where it hasn't made any money, but if you look at over a 20-year time period or the rolling 20-year time periods, the average return is somewhere between 7 and 10%. They'll, they can hang around until the money comes back. See, when you hand your money over to an insurance company who's managing it for you, they're taking the risk uh, of longevity because they can afford to. We can't. So you're basically just transferring risk. That's actually what an insurance company is for. You're transferring risk to an insurance company. When you have automobile insurance, you're transferring risk. Make sure you read those policies. <laughs> Get a good agent. The uh, When you insure your home or you have health insurance, you're taking the risk of your home burning down and you having to pay for it out of your pocket to the insurance company. That's really what insurance companies do is uh, they handle risk. And I think today, more than ever, it's, it's pretty important that you take a look at this. Bond prices and CD rates are not likely to come back soon or go higher soon. When I say not higher soon, you should see what kind of reaction that that creates in an awful lot of people. They suffer from this thing called cognitive dissonance, right? The brains are going, they're rejecting all the information and looking looking for something that doesn't exist. (laughs) Because why? Because they want it so badly. And I don't care how bad you want it. I want to be a movie star. You know what? Probably ain't happening. First, First reason, I'm not... I've got the first, I have the perfect face for radio. (laughs) That's the first reason. The second reason is I live in Ohio. (laughs) 
the chances of somebody coming up. But uh, just because you want something really badly doesn't mean that you can get it. And uh, I, that's a part of this industry I just don't understand. I'll have people come, and, and I know some of them are going to hear the uh, passion in my voice, and they're going to call just to try to aggravate me. And it doesn't aggravate me, by the way. I'm just going to tell you no. <laughs> Can I get a 5%? I, I read a 5% tax-free bond. Uh, not from America. You, know, you might get that in Russia. Russia will probably guarantee you 5%. The uh, Greece, you know, Greece might give you 5%. But uh, you go down in uh, South America, you know, I'm pretty sure, uh, what is it, the, uh, the country that's uh, just barely hanging in by their fingernails? Actually, that's a couple of them down there. <laughs> but yeah, to get a, a nice, safe return of even above 3% is incredibly difficult today. And that wasn't that way. And it's not coming back. That's not coming back. You're not going to get a 3% CD for a long time. And I feel really bad. I had a bunch of CD ladders, you know, for some of my clients, a CD ladder is a, a CD that's going to mature in one year. And then another one is going to mature in two years, three years, four years, five years. So every year that the, uh, uh, a CD comes up, we were hoping interest rates might start to creep up. You would get that one CD that would mature and then you would buy another five year. Cause now the year has passed and everything moves forward one year at a time. They call that a, a CD ladder. And you know what they did? They called all the CDs. <laughs> We didn't get to wait for them to mature because they took them back. And and they can kind of do that when you buy CDs uh, that are callable. And now that I hear the music, that means my show is actually over. I can't believe how fast this went. Um, listen, my name is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning. You can go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com, if you have um, questions or want more information. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.